0: The Motormouths, Ditch and Bud on News Talk 98.9, The Roar of Memphis.
1: Here we are. I'm Ditch. I'm Bud. And we are The Motormouths. Thanks for tuning in again this week to The Motormouths. Yes, we're going to talk about cars because we love talking about cars. We love driving cars. like talking about driving cars. <laughs> love working on cars. Talking, talking about, about working on, on cars. cars. We rarely work on cars while driving cars, but sometimes that is required. Uh, so thank you for listening. If you have questions or comments uh, about anything you hear on the Motor Mouths, uh, ways you can reach out to us, Rick's Powder Coating text line, 901-683-0989. Social media, you can find us everywhere. Of course, we
2: got the motormouths.com. We're on Facebook at the Motormouths 989 And you can find me on Twitter at BudMotormouth.
1: At I am Ditch on Twitter for myself. We want to let you know next weekend on the Motor Mouths, we're uh, excited to say we're going to be live at the uh, the Air Air Show, the Memphis Air Air show blue uh, angels will be flying right. Blue angels, yes. This is. I'm told by the organizer. I spoke with him earlier this week that the this is the biggest one he's ever put on. He's like we're going to have more, a wider range of historical aircraft at this event, not to mention the Blue Angels, it's going to be one of the biggest. So we're excited to be there. We're going to bring the motor mouths to you live from the air show. So next Saturday you're going to hear a bunch of air, airplanes flying around. Yeah,
2: we'll have to have to slow down uh, or give them the gap to, to go by while we're talking.
1: But, if, you know, if we're I, talking and the Blue Angels fly over, we won't be able to speak. We'll just have to sit there for a minute until they pass. I'm
2: willing to yield. It's, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I haven't seen the, the Blue Angels in forever. I was actually stationed uh, outside of Oceana and I would see them practice almost on a daily basis. So I got I got spoiled, man. Yeah. I was seeing them like every day, but it's been, it's been over 10 years now, so I'm looking forward to that.
1: So, uh you can also, well, uh, if you, if you uh if if you want to join us and you're out there, look for us. We, we we don't know exactly where we're going to be. We're going to be in the vendor area, somewhere near the main gate. So just look for uh, look for us, and we'll we'll let you know when we look get there. Look for
2: that there. News Talk 98.9, the War yep. of Memphis poster.
1: So we uh, we we look forward to that next weekend. Uh, coming up later today on the Motor Mouse, we're going to have Matt Keegan and Matt Keegan's Big Three. Yes, there are some big stories in the automotive industry as always and it's a lot of times it seems to be these days more more times than not surrounded by uh electric vehicles and the EV discussion but Matt spent some time recently in Texas and uh we're going to hear from him today on Matt Keegan's big 3 from Auto Trends magazine also bud you have uh you're you're making strides with your uh with your Grand Cherokee oh yeah i've been driving it I finally got it. I finally got it on the road. Licensed? Yeah, licensed. driving it? Wow. You know,
2: I, I take back some of the things I said about the Shelby County Clerk. I went in the middle of the day. I was in and out pretty quick, and the lady was really nice to me. So, um, you know, it, it doesn't have such a sour taste in my mouth anymore. Yeah. But I've been driving the Jeep now, and I can see why it's popular. It's got, you know, it's a V8. It's it's the Grand Cherokee. It's It's the Limited, so it's all the bells and whistles, leather interior and stuff. But... You know, I'm riding up higher than in the HHR, and it's got a lot more horsepower, so I've been having a good time with it. But now that I've been driving it after it sat for about a year, I'm starting to discover all the little issues and this is and that's that oh so that's broken i didn't see that coming so we should get into that a little later
1: update you too we talked about shelby county and the mailing of the license plates after we brought up uh you know they probably did not do this just because the motorbiles were talking about it but i'm sure it didn't uh i'm happy to take credit for it take credit for it the the uh, county has issued uh, 550 thousand. that's how much that's that just to give you an idea of how many license plates were waiting to go out it required five hundred and fifty thousand dollars in postage, and they had—they evidently didn't have the money to do it.
2: That is an incredible amount of postage, my goodness. So
1: the county said, "Here, here's here's the money. Now get those damn things mailed out." So uh, for update, if you're waiting on your license plates and other documents. Bud, you're going to oh, have I gotta to wait.
2: Sh- I got to share that picture, uh, that car we saw that just the license plate just said tags applied for. Yeah. In the license plate. I, t- I took a picture of that. I'll put that on the social media. That was too funny. Which, you
1: know, maybe that's the way we should go because there's driveout out tags uh, that we we talk about that don't, they just don't look legit. There's no uniform driveout tag, at least here in the, in the Mid-South. I've lived in other places where, it, like Colorado, for example, there is one standard-issued driveout tag. Dealerships have it. Mm-hmm. And if you drive out, you know they give you that temporary tag, and it all looks the same. But here, for some reason, it almost looks like homemade driveout tags. I saw two MPD officers earlier in the week, both kind of crouched down at the at the license plate of the car, looking at it. And I'm like, are they trying to figure out if that driver, if that driveout tag is legit? What What is the deal? But anyway, so we'll have an update from Bud on his Grand Cherokee, and some of this information is going to be useful to you as well. Not just if you drive a Grand Cherokee, but also you know how Bud. Uh, got it cleaned out and some of the accomplishments that I he finally
2: made. posted that video on youtube go to Thor's garage on youtube i put up a eight minute video music by dj Syncratic. i, I gotta go. plug him but uh i i did i got the whole time lapse of the that thing was filthy it was and way a, worse than i thought the, the previous owner of this jeep had dogs short hair dogs that shed and they rarely left,
1: vacuumed they, that thing they, out they,
2: and if he did it just i mean i mean all the little nooks and crannies i had to take the center console out of it i took all the seats out of it and took part part of the dashboard. One, it was one it was thing a mess. you'll
1: see with this is that there is hope. <laughs> okay, oh, it looks great now. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. When it when it was in, it looked like it was beyond saving, and Bud saved it. Also, if you have a leaky sunroof, stick around because uh, we're going to tell you how the, one of the things, the steps that you can take that Bud took, and it actually will let you know the outcome of it. Uh, uh before you go running in and thinking, Oh, I got to replace the whole sunroof, this thing's leaking, I got to just take it to
2: a body shop yeah. and.
1: Slow your roll on that. We'll tell you more about that a little later. But I say let's get to some email that we got. What do you think?
2: Yeah, we got a couple of messages from some folks. Uh, I got one from Jay. He says, hey, guys, great show. I have a question. My wife and I decided that instead of getting new cars, we are going to hold on to the ones we have currently. And neither of us have owned a high mileage vehicle. Uh, We want to know what we can expect as far as maintenance past 75,000 miles. I have a Honda Civic, and she drives a Chevy Malibu. So, I mean, I, I guess I guess there are a lot of folks that once it starts getting up to higher mileage, they trade it in and they get and move rid of on. it. Yeah. I, I, I still, I, I don't know that many people that have bought new cars. I rarely meet people that buy new, apparently they're doing it constantly. They're doing it but, because you know. there's
1: lots that are empty. I was just on Covington Pike earlier this week. I couldn't believe how empty the lots were. First thing I would say, though, is fluids,
2: right? Oh, well, yeah, that's going to be a regular, especially, you know, um, like the transmission rarely gets any attention. You can go 100,000 miles on the factory fluid in your transmission, but... I would recommend at least probably considering flushing that out. Whatever the manufacturer recommends, it's probably going to be somewhere between 80 and 120,000 miles depending on the car. I don't know what specific year or engine is in these. You know, if, and if, if you've got a V6, just pay the money, get the spark plugs done. A lot of a lot of people with the transverse V6s, they skip the spark plugs because they're higher labor costs because you got to pull the intake off to get to the three that are yeah. kind of up by the cowl and everything. So that's something not to skimp on. 80 to 100,000 miles, it's probably going to be due for spark plugs.
1: On the transmission fluid, bud, is it standard cuz brake fluid you have dot, three, dot four I mean, you want to make sure that, that you're putting the right kind of brake fluid in there uh, right. because of the moisture and stuff. But is transmission fluid all pretty consistently uh the same? That was definitely true in like the early
2: 2 by the early 2000s, but nowadays you got CVT fluid is very different and a lot of manufacturers are using different oils. My advice on that is just go to a transmission shop and let them handle let it. Them when I was it. when I was working at the tire shop, we had the capacity to do transmission fluid exchanges none of the technicians wanted to do it and it also for for like a little a little tire shop they're, they're not they're not transmission experts they're not going to know if there is an issue or if it was done wrong or if this particular model needs some weird attention to make sure you don't screw up the fluid exchange so i it, i i'm yeah. all for just go to a transmission shop and let the experts do it even for something as simple as the fluid exchange
1: now what about the coolant because we know about the coolant colors and there's mm-hmm. different you know engines aluminum uh it, all of it depends i mean there's blue coolant now they, that's yeah. the newest one I've seen they say that oh yeah you know, you can read on the bottle or on the jar it will say uh good for all makes and models but is it really I mean for the most part you could probably get you can get but get
2: away with it Just, as long as you're doing your regular intervals for coolant you'll be fine you know they, they, I think a lot of them it's sixty thousand miles you want to replace it you know if it starts looking murky or like muddy or gross in, in the in the reservoir Get it changed out. Um, that's something that they may th- these folks that Jay and his wife might have already experienced. Because again, sixty thousand miles is about regular, but I wouldn't just put any old coolant in there. I again have it exchanged by uh, by a pro somewhere. I would Take say by a
1: hundred thousand, you probably at least replaced a belt by then, don't you think? Or if not, it's, it's usually pretty close.
2: 60, 50 to sixty thousand. Yeah. A belt's going to come up, so a belt's going to be coming up again. Uh, another big one: shocks. Shocks are usually something you don't have to deal with in the first seventy thousand miles of the car. I mean, heck, yeah. the the rear shocks on my HHR are just now getting to the point they need to be replaced. It's at ninety five thousand miles, and those are the originals I can tell. And that the the thing with shocks is you don't really notice they're going bad because it's kind of like it's kind of like uh, Uh, watching your hair grow it happens so gradually (laughs) stay with me on this (laughs) it happens so gradually you don't note you don't notice it on a regular basis what happens with shocks is they go bad so slowly you just get used to your car pulling a little harder on the turns or rocking a little bit when uh, more when you stop or pulling back a little harder when you accelerate but if you neglect your shocks everything goes bad behind it your brakes take more uh, more punishment when you come to a stop because there's more more like inertia on them. You know, it's like it's a domino absor- effect. Yeah, it's not absorbing the shock. When you're turning corners, you're putting more strain on your suspension system and all that. But again, it happens so gradually you don't notice it. Then you finally get you know you do the bounce test where you give a good hard shove down on the car and it keeps wobbling. Mm-hmm. It it's, it should just right itself <laughs> and stop.
1: No, nothing worse, well, funnier than when you see a car with bad shocks uh, rolling and, down the road and, and, and it's wobbling, wobbling. Yeah. <laughs> so then you get your shocks
2: changed and you go, oh, this is what. This I remember this because it happens it happens so gradually over time you don't you just get used to it
1: the other thing you know he's talking about deciding to keep his car to a hundred plus thousand miles but that gets to the point where you're going to start having some of the mechanical things not necessarily going to guarantee they fail but you got to be prepared for stuff like alternator I don't know if water pump is in that in that lifespan of a hundred thousand very well might be yeah you're going to start Feeling the pain of some of those things, and you know, uh, air filters, that kind of stuff is that's yeah. pretty typical and maintenance.
2: Worst, w- one of the worst case scenarios would be like your timing chain. You know, if the Malibu's got the same motor as my HHR, and a lot of them do, the that's an Achilles heel of that particular motor. Those those little um, dual overhead cam four cylinders, oh, okay. because it's a it's a timing chain, and if you neglect your oil change, it's really it's really a result of neglect. If you don't do your oil changes when you're supposed to, then those timing chains wear out. And if your timing chain goes, it's a lot of money to fix, and it, it could be catastrophe. So that's that's something that might come up. You know, if it's a belt, those have maintenance schedules as well. If it's if it's a timing belt, and if it if it's a belt with a, with a maintenance schedule like that, those are usually a little bit more reasonable to have done. So that that's something that can come up. Also, CV axles. Your Front wheel drive, you've got uh axles with you uh universal joints that go from your transmission to the wheels. Mm-hmm. That uh, those boots rip and the grease comes out of them, and sooner or later it's going to start making a clicking when you're turning. And uh, they're going to tell you, you know, you're, you'll go up there, you'll grab the CV axle, and it'll wobble, and it's only a matter of time before those snap. Those could come up, up around 100 to 150,000 miles. The,
1: the boots on my rack and pinion I had to have replaced, and then I, but the problem was. I drove with the rack and pinion with tore open boots, mm-hmm. and it, I ended up having to replace the whole thing. It wasn't just right, the just boots. dirt.
2: dirt gets in yep. there, and, and it, it makes it so the sliders are. Believe are it or not, there's a purpose gouged. for all
1: those things. When you yeah. see it, and you're like, ah, oh, what, what, what difference is that going to make? Just a little if it's plastic cover. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, it makes a hell of a difference. But you can tell when a
2: CV boot is ripped, too, because it'll spray the grease everywhere. everywhere. I know this because my HHR is doing it, and I'm getting ready for sooner or later. I probably got another 10,000 miles. I'm going to have to change those. C V axles, but that's a common maintenance item, over a hundred thousand. You're gonna see that. Uh, wheel bearings, the grinding just gets louder and louder and louder and sooner or later you're it's so loud you can't even hear your stereo and the, the, the <laughs> you know. Uh, or I lost, I lost a, uh, I lost a wheel bearing to a pothole. I hit a pothole yeah. so hard it, 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 messed it up, and it just that grinding just keeps going and going and gets louder.
1: So these are just some things that you're gonna have to, you know, some of the moving joints and some of the moving parts and the lubrications in your car when you get to a hundred thousand miles, just be ready that they're gonna start. May not happen all at once, and hopefully it doesn't. But this is, you know, I've had my truck now. It's got almost 300,000 miles on. As I say every week, every chance I get to say that, only because I've had to replace all of almost of the the things we've just spoke about. I've I've replaced shocks, CV axle, uh, the joints. I've even had to replace the U joint with the drive shaft. All of those things, just normal (laughs) wear and tear. And and notably absent from this conversation is brakes.
2: And I I would always get that question like, how many miles before I have to do the brakes? It's like that's not how that works. No, no. Brakes are entirely dependent on how you drive yeah. and your driving habits. If you're on the highway for a thirty year drive every day, you're not wearing your brakes out. But if you're a stop and go traffic constantly, you're gonna go through brakes faster. Well, so brakes are on an ad an ad as needed basis.
1: I'm not proud to say And Bud's dro- ro- rode in my truck to the racetrack, and he knows when I push on my brakes right now, the back end just the, the, the minute you because it's it's warped. The rotors are warped on one. As of the, soon
2: as you stopped, I was like, You're right, "Your right rear rotor is warped," and it's I'm I'm not some I'm not some mystical car savant. It's just ruthlessly obvious. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, it's even worse now. Even my kid's starting to complain about. it She's like, "What is that?" And I just laugh. It's not funny. I mean, i just I just got to get into the, the car, car and do it. Stops. Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, it's as long as it still
2: stops. That's what you tell your daughter be like, "Hey, you should be counting your blessings. This car at least stops, okay?" At least, <laughs> at
1: least we didn't hit the car in front of us. But some of the cost of some of these things, I mean, it all depends on where you go and how it's done, but you know, I would say of what we've talked about, your your uh your water pump and timing belts probably the most expensive, $1, 12 1500 bucks maybe if you end up doing that. Brakes C- and CV axles and C- might
2: might run you a bit uh sho- shocks are pretty standard maintenance. Usually you can, you know, I'd say cars like that, you're probably looking between 700 and a thousand depending on who does it and what kind of, you know, also what quality of parts you're going for. How often does a PCV valve go I, I, I
1: that's not it necessarily goes it you goes. can't just it's say a hundred thousand miles. That's just something, and that's real, that's like fifty bucks maybe.
2: Yeah, and and when it goes, it goes. We would test those at at, at my shop once in a while, pull them out, and just do the do the the, the suck blow test. We would do it to them.
1: So that I hope that helped you out. I hope that answered a few of your questions. Yeah, thanks um, for the email, Jay. Much pr-
2: appreciate it. Appreciate glad, that. Like the
1: show. Uh, other ways uh, that you can reach out to us, as we said, is our Rick's Powder Coating text line at six eight three zero ninety eight nine. And we got a message from a fellow that we're going to get on the motor miles now to talk to him about some sound that his motor is making and i know bud loves that we want to welcome to the motor mouth, john Heggie. john uh, reached out to us about some strange sounds that his 2016 turbocharged ford explorer is it explorer no it's an escape is that right john correct all right now tell us about what your uh what your issue is and what you want you know what you think your issue is let's hear about it
0: so yeah initially you know check engine light came on and plus I could already before it even came on I had started noticing that day my engine just sounding a little different it's kind of had like a deeper war to it I guess and got it checked out and uh, I've been told that my turbo needs to be replaced the uh the gentleman that I had looked at or the mechanic that looked at it I'm pretty sure he just hooked up uh you know the little code reader to it mm-hmm. and got it I don't know that he actually looked at it
1: and yeah. so did, did he charge you my- did, yeah, did he diagnose? Did he charge you no, a diagnostic? No, he
0: didn't. He, did, he, he didn't charge me.
1: Okay, okay. good. So. Um, so, just just for just for those listening, the the turbocharger on your engine, while it sounds cool, the whole point of a turbocharger is to compress the air, right? Because you want more air compression, which allows more air flowing in, right? Which allows fuel uh, and yeah. and increases power and output. Yeah, the way I describe it to people is.
2: A naturally aspirated engine, like most of the cars we drive, it's like just <gasps> inhaling with your lungs. That's how it's getting its air. A compressor is like putting a pressure hose in your lo- in your mouth and pulling, the lever and a bunch of air into you and inflating yeah. it. Yeah,
1: and that's the whole point of a turbo. And uh, one of the things, John, that, that I know about the 2016 turbos on those is, uh, uh, uh on that car is that one of the common problems when changing out the turbo is a mandatory replacement of an oil line filter on there, which connects to the head. Now, he didn't change anything. He just told you that's what needs to be done. Is that right? Correct.
0: Oh, how many miles Correct. are on the vehicle? Yeah, how
1: many miles are running on uh, the
0: vehicle? It's probably 120.
2: So, oh yeah, right right in our wheelhouse we were just talking about. So, uh well, it's I I wouldn't be surprised if that is the case that it needs to be replaced. I wouldn't I wouldn't encourage you against getting a second opinion. But you know, sure. if, if it's having an oil line, if it is having an oil line issue, it's no surprise if it's going bad. Because if a if a turbo seizes up, you're not getting that compression, and, and it's it's trying to suck the air through. Bud, the But
1: explain how the turbo, the, the whole. You've got to get proper oil in that thing. Why, yeah. bud?
2: It's basically there's two turbines. One that's, uh, they're both in a pressurized ones on the uh ones on the exhaust, uh, and the pressure from the exhaust is spinning a turbine. And then there's a shaft that connects to the other side of, on the intake side, and that turbine is spinning to. Compress the air to shove it into the uh, through the intake. So that little shaft spins at like insane RPM. I don't even know where to where to start with that. And they also get incredibly hot because you're pumping exhaust gas right through it. That's why intercoolers are a thing. So before the air goes from outside into the um, into the engine, or it goes from outside into the turbo, yeah. but before it goes into the engine, it'll go through the intercooler to cool that air before it goes in because it, all that exhaust gas is going to heat it up. But that, that turbine is spinning so insanely fast. If it's not properly lubricated for even a short period of time, it can be a catastrophe.
1: The point about all that is there is possibly a lubrication issue with your turbo and that may be why it uh, needs replaced. There's also a, as Bud just pointed out, and specifically in some of the research I did on this car, is a cooling issue with the turbos. And what'd you just right. say, Bud? Yeah, I mean, it's got cool. to be cooled off.
2: Yeah. Exhaust gases are hot. Surprise, surprise.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what am I, as far as, you know, so I, I was quoted about 2200 to get it replaced. So, of course, I'm not in a rush for that. Am I looking at... Is it going to hurt the car by driving? I mean, I've, I've put probably 3,000 miles on it since I've been told that. I mean, it still drives, for the most part, fairly normal. I mean, I can tell just a little bit of difference in performance. Now, of course, I'm easier on it because I keep worrying it's going to, you know, I don't know what it's going to do when it eventually goes completely out. But is that something that I need to get fixed right away, or do I just wait until it goes completely out?
2: I mean, it is kind of a sooner rather than later thing. If the turbo is completely seized, absolutely not, don't drive it. But if it's just if it's just experiencing some some uh like. Uh, you're getting a little bit of of lag in it or anything like that or if it's just if it's getting some blow by you probably could get away with it but it's what I'm, I'm me personally i don't like driving a car with the check engine light on i i try to sure. you know make sure it's operating it also you could be hurting your fuel economy and right now you can't afford you <laughs> gotta you need every drop you know? <laughs> right right
1: and and, okay. and and uh engines can get away they can run without the turbo even if it's equipped with one but it certainly is not going to run efficiently that's that is that's the, that's the you know, that's just a fact. You, you may be able to drive it. And as Bud said, if it ceases completely, then then that's even a bigger problem. So I would just, I would decide to either get it fixed, get it replaced or park it. Okay. Or, right. or just say, I'm going to drive this thing until it's dead. Just sure. be prepared for it to die. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's that's kind of, well, yeah, that's the thing with that many models, you know, mile, mileage on it. I hate to put that kind of money into it. Yeah, uh, I You know, get that. I hate that. to drop because I just spent, you know, a little over two grand fixing the air compressor just to, about six months ago. Yeah. So I just, I, yeah, I worry if I do that, then what will it be next?
1: That's that's what that's what we we're just talking about. Cars with uh, over a hundred thousand miles. When when does it become a a a liability? Hey, John, we appreciate your call on the Motor mouse today. We're gonna cut you loose, man. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much.
2: All right. If you got any issues, gripes, complaints, concerns, feel free to reach out to us, like John did. Anyway, we'll be back. I'm Bud. I'm Ditch, and we are the Motor Mouse
0: more horsepower than a BMW Isetta. The Motor Mouths. Ditch and Bud on News Talk
1: 98.9. All right. I hope you're getting some good stuff today. I know that uh, we sure are because we love talking about cars. I'm Ditch. I'm Bud. And we are the Motor Mouths. You can uh, contact us. Our Rick's Powder Coding text line is 901-683-0989 on social media. course you can find us on themotormouths.com we're
2: on facebook at themotormouths 989 and hit me up on twitter at bud motormouth
1: i am ditch on twitter for myself coming up we'll have matt keegan's big three he's got to he got to spend some time with toyota in texas and he's going to tell us all about some of the big things he couldn't talk about it last week he had to sign one of these non-disclosure agreements that he would not disclose what he had seen but now he can disclose some of it, and uh, he will join us from Auto Trends Magazine. I want to get me an opportunity to see some stuff that
2: requires an NDA. <laughs> How about that, man? Bud would love to uh, get me behind the scenes to man. get
1: into it. Um, let's talk about first of all. Before we do that, though, your adventures with your Grand Cherokee—you finally got this thing. You know the the one you bought from your neighbor, and the transmission had issues. You you tried to repair the transmission on your own or uh, diagnose it. You ended up getting it done rebuilt.
2: Yeah, and- that, that gamble cost me fifty bucks to see if it was the uh solenoid but it needed a complete bench rebuild which for those who don't know a bench rebuild of a transmission means they completely remove it from the car throw it on a bench uh or gently play I hope they gently placed it on the bench and then just re- remove and replace all the guts on yeah. the inside so that transmission is practically brand new as far as I'm concerned I really trust the guys over there all at, the innards uh, are Holman new and,
1: and uh so you've got that going now that you're driving it you're kind of falling in love with it but a it was a bit. mess uh, yeah
2: oh it was it was so filthy like I said the guy had the guy had two dogs and the, the Hair was just caked into all the corners. Again, I spent th- I, so I put out th- I put out that video. It's about nine minutes long. It's full of time lapse footage of me cleaning the vehicle. That's on my uh, YouTube channel, Authorities Garage. If anyone's interested, of course I'll share it out on all the social media as we mentioned earlier. Anyway, I spent probably about. 18 hours cleaning that car, maybe 20. It was it was a two two day process, and I haven't even done the doors yet, and I haven't even done the exterior. That's going to be coming up next. It needs uh, a complete clay bar, which you know clay barring is a process you can do before waxing when you've got some old faded paint. What you do is it it's actually it comes in a pack. It's like 20 bucks. Comes with some detailing spray and actual clay. And there's synthetic clays. Those are okay. I like those, but I actually like using the clay bar. And you run it over the after you after you strip all the wax off the car and you you wash it once, do a nice hand wash, you... Take the clay and use the spray and you rub it against the paint, and it actually pulls out all the microscopic dirt out of the little pits in the clear coat. And you'll actually notice a huge difference when you're done. And then I'm probably gonna go so far as to do a coat of polish. This will be an adventure for me. I've never used a polisher, like a, a powered polisher. And so I'm gonna be kind of diving in both feet on that one. This is kind of my test car before I do it to any of the cars I really like more. <laughs> Tailgate does not open. Uh, we had that leaky sunroof issue. Fixed that. Basically, there's these tubes that run from the sunroof that drain the water out that collects it it's just going to collect it's it's never going to be perfectly sealed so they plan for that and they these tubes they get clogged with dirt and debris and that's exactly what happened to my Jeep nine times out of ten that's what your problem is if your sunroof is leaking so fortunately that's what I had and I took that apart Uh, I have to replace the glove box glove box doesn't latch and that leads to it's so funny it's such a small issue but the the glove box not latching is draining my battery because there's a light that comes on when you open it and since it won't close it won't shut off that light. So that little, that little light under the dashboard, uh, two days, it'll drain the battery to zero. Uh, I also have a bad mirror. The mirror on the passenger seat is, like, all fogged out. And you, I'm sorry, oh, there's a driver's side. You can't see anything behind you with it. It's all fogged out. So I'm probably going to be on my way to the junkyard for that. What? Well, Jeez, what else? There's probably a few other things I haven't discovered but yet. It's, oh, uh, and the ra- all the speakers are blown. <laughs> so all the speakers. That. So if you have a leaky sunroof. Basically, you pulled back the sunroof, and you can see the little drain holes in the front. Uh, like the front right and front left corners of the, the like little tray that the whole thing lives in. And once you pull down the roof liner, you can very easily identify these plastic tubes going down. And I ended up having to reach up and un unhook it from the body of the car up by the sunroof and that was where the clog happened it was right there at the top of those plastic tubes so those
1: get clogged then the water just ends up sitting in the edges of your sunroof and that's how and then it, it, and then it goes in. down your neck when you turn a corner yeah <laughs> <laughs> so. so they can see videos of uh the adventure with this thing at thority's garage that's right let's get into the big three now with matt keegan from auto trends magazine the Motor
0: Miles Big Three with Matt Keegan of Auto Trends Magazine.
3: Number one. All right, Matt, here we go. After 15 long years, Toyota finally has a new Sequoia full size SUV to show for it. The latest model is based on the same platform underpinning the Tundra pickup truck, and it is a welcome addition to a segment that's dominated by GM and Ford. Arriving later this summer, we expect that Toyota will sell every one of the 30,000 units or so that it has plan for the 2023 model year. Toyota took a slightly different approach with the Sequoia than they did with the Tundra. Where the Tundra comes with a standard 3.5-liter twin-turbo V6 engine and an available hybrid, the Sequoia is hybrid only. But that's not a bad thing because the hybrid is more powerful than the standard engine as it adds an electric motor that's placed between the engine and transmission on the bell housing. This means the hybrid is geared more towards performance. It delivers a whopping 437 horsepower, 583 pound-feet of torque, power routes to all four wheels or just to the rear wheels, utilizing a 10-speed automatic transmission. We put the Sequoia through the paces on a meandering two-mile track next to the Eagles Canyon Raceway in Slidell, Texas last week. We were offered the choice of grace, but the TRD Pro, with its standard four-wheel drive, electronically locking rear differential and crawl control, was our choice. This big SUV navigated the course with ease, giving us a chance to evaluate axle articulation, steep rocky inclines muddy embankments, even a water hole awaited us. Much of the course was navigated in 4-low with crawl control activated when we wanted to, to check out this SUV's climbing capabilities. Other features about the Sequoia include room for 7 or 8, an available 14-inch touchscreen display, and a cargo management system that organizes everything in the rear compartment. The Sequoia pulls up to 9,520 pounds. We pull both an Airstream trailer and a boat. The engine never strained while the transmission worked seamlessly as it should. We expect that Toyota will will price it between $58,000 and
1: $78,000. Matt, this is a car that you, you started out this conversation by saying you, you expect all of these to be gone. Is there a long list of pre-orders for this Sequoia?
3: No, because 30000 is really not much at all compared to what GM and Ford sell. They've only been selling about 10000 a year because the car is so old. Yeah. So bringing out a new one, they figure all the Sequoia people who have been waiting forever to get a new one will get it and then they'll, they'll probably grab some from other people.
1: And do you think the biggest issue with this, not issue, the biggest uh, selling point, rather, with this car, uh, with the Sequoia, is it the comfort? Is it the creature comforts? Is it the power? Because I know that, that that's, that's some good power, and it doesn't sound like it struggled when you pulled.
3: The power is going to be the big thing, because for a standard uh, powertrain, it has more horsepower and torque than any of its competitors. Usually you have to upgrade to get this kind of power, but here you're going to get it you know, from the onset.
2: How does this thing the compare? To the uh, level is good. How does this thing compare to the Forerunner? Is it the next step up from that one, if I'm not mistaken?
3: Oh yeah, yeah. So the Forerunner is the midsize, um, and the differentiation is is quite noticeable. Number two. Besides looking at the Toyota Sequoia, we preview the all-new Lexus RX. The RX is a midsize crossover utility vehicle that accounts for more than a third of Lexus. In other words, it's a franchise model and has received regular updates since its 1999 introduction. For 2023, the RX is a completely different animal with a more relaxed spindle grille, punctuated in an otherwise aggressive nose. The new RX sits closer to the ground and has a sleeker appearance. It seems more like a tall wagon than a utility vehicle with a sporty touches for visual interest. Our Texas visit, however, did not include behind-the-wheel experience, but we did learn that Lexus will offer four powertrain choices, including three hybrids. This means the V6 is gone, but what's in its place will be pretty amazing. I'll just go over it real quick of what they're going to have. But the standard uh, arrangement is a 2.4 liter turbocharged engine that will uh, produce Uh, upwards of 275 horsepower and 317 pound-feet of torque. The next one is a 2.5-liter inline four-cylinder engine that works with a continuously variable transmission. This one emphasizes efficiency, will probably average about 33 miles to the gallon, but still bang out 246 horsepower, so it's no sluggard. The next one is going to be a plug-in hybrid that we don't know too much about other than it's going to be big on electric range efficiency and power. Again, we expect a CBD to send power to the wheels. The fourth model is the one that really caught our attention. I I wish we had a chance to drive it. We call it the Lexus RX 500h F Sport Performance. Yeah, that's a mouthful. This one also comes with a 2.4 liter turbocharged hybrid powertrain with a six-speed automatic transmission that will uh, shuttle power to all four wheels. This one will make 367 horsepower, 406 pound feet of torque and that's more torque than what uh, the LFA sports car uh, developed a few years back but still even though there's a lot of power there they're estimating 26 miles to gallon for it we'll have more details closer to its fall release
1: you know with me Matt Keegan the Lexus the problem I've always had with Lexus is the front end of those things you know forget (laughs) forget the luxury forget what's under the hood I just do not like the grill and the whole front end appearance of Lexus I don't mind them, man. I, I, honestly,
2: Lexus is my go-to luxury vehicle. You know, uh, when, when, once once I can afford one, I'm, I, I'd probably take one of those over a Mercedes or BMW or any others uh, of its competitors. It's one of my favorites. I almost bought one on several occasions, but ended up passing on it. Any word? With,
3: uh, any word uh, with these are going to cost.
1: Uh, go ahead, Matt.
2: No, no.
3: Um, I think the the the. Price range right now is like in the upper 40s. I don't expect it to deviate too far from that, and then they'll go up to probably mid-60s with a, the high-performance model. Um, that's new, so that'll push the price point probably even up to 70000 Number three! The last part of our Texas visit with Toyota and Lexus involved a very special place that I call the uh, the Gem, and what it is is a, it's like a museum that they have on display to showcase vehicles that go all the way back to the late 1950s. You may be familiar with static displays such as the Edge Motor Museum in Memphis. This is kind of like it, but it's all Toyota products. GM has a similar facility in Detroit and Ford in Dearborn, Michigan. So Toyota wants to be able to showcase what they have here and what they have on display is pretty good. So there's dozens of models available, uh, but the only problem is it's not yet open to the public. Lisa Yamada, who oversees the center, said the display is available only to corporate visitors and other special guests. A similar facility in Japan has many times that many vehicles and it is open to the public. What's fascinating about the display is that it features the Toyopet Crown, which was sold for 19 1958 to 1960, that's the first model that Toyota offered in the United States. They also had a pair of 1967, 2000 uh, Toyota 2000 GT sports car grand tours, a model inspired by the Jaguar Type. Other models on display include the 1960s Corona, 1970s Cel- uh, Celica GT, and the 1984 Van. Concepts, racing cars, engine exhibits, and related regalia were also present. On the Lexus side, it's much smaller because Lexus has only been around for 30 years, but they had all five generations of the RX and the original LS and ES models. I saw an autonomous Lexus model, and I saw the. Toyota robot that they use for uh, advertising purposes. So we count a few than 30 models on a, uh, display, and there was probably more than 100 total that were in warehouse. Uh, they're hoping still to open it up for the general public and STEM students, but not right now. So although Texas does not currently have a facility open, the Toyota Mississippi Experience Center in Blue Springs, Mississippi is open. In fact, it opened just this past Wednesday following extensive pandemic-related delay. Located mm-hmm. okay, next to the manufacturing plant that builds the corolla the mississippi center features mostly simulators and interactive robots and later this year the facility will add tram tours of the manufacturing plant
1: oh that's cool so that mississippi plant we can go experience their interactive stuff that's really cool
3: yes yeah they were supposed to open like a year or two ago but then pandemic now they're open
1: and what would you say your single, you know, your big experience in Texas with Toyota, Matt Keegan, when you came out of there, what was the single biggest thing that you said, yeah, that's what I'm going to remember most?
3: The experience center was pretty interesting because it, it showed me cars that I even forgotten about that Toyota had uh, early on in their history. And then I got a glimpse of a couple of models that I can't mention to you what they're they're going to have planned for this fall, but they are coming to the US and they're going to be pretty awesome.
1: Oh, that's great. All right, Matt Keegan with this week's Big 3. We appreciate it. And we we will talk to you again next week here on the Motor Mouse. Take care, guys. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. Yeah, I think it's time to get into the Sweet Ride of the Week.
0: The Sweet Ride of the Week.
2: All right, so this week, Ditch, I got for you the Ford F-150 with uh, me hopefully having an opportunity to drive the new uh, F-150 Lightning. We got to talk about the Ford F-150. It's like the most prolific truck in America, most prolific vehicle. This is the most popular vehicle in America, so I don't have a specific one to talk about. The most recent one I've driven was a 2017 with the EcoBoost V6 twin turbo motor, which I fully stand behind. Uh, We've had Anthony on the show before. He's my previous boss. He drove one of those for 400,000 miles, replaced the turbos once. Uh, each. So excellent. I mean, excellent car. The the F-150, again, it's as American as apple pie and all that stuff. And there's just not enough to say about it. I could do a whole show about it. But anyway, I do want to kind of point out the Ford SVT Lightning. This is a less known pickup truck that came out from Ford. They ran this thing from 1993 to 95, very briefly. And then they did again in 99 to 2004. And that's the one most people are probably familiar with, if at all. It's got a supercharged 5.4 Triton V8. Apparently 2004, while I'm on the subject, is not the year to buy that motor. I've talked about that. 5.4 ford motor having lots of issues and apparently 2004 was the year that that really came to a head they uh it has a variable valve system and if the oil passages get clogged basically it kills the motor and it's more expensive to repair that issue than it is to just replace the motor
1: the f-152 is a it's a they've ford has had some groundbreaking uh firsts with their truck for the auto for the for for the truck making industry because I remember when Ford announced that they were going to lighten the weight of the truck by using an aluminum body right still using steel of course for the framework of it but when they went to the lightweight really hard aluminum body that was uh that it is kind of used I think to some degree in some aircrafts uh you thought wow that's if that thing gets crunched yeah you're uh you're gonna you're gonna have a bad time one thing though that they are warning of if you do have the aluminum You may have already experienced this. If you're installing aftermarket equipment, they say that they have discovered that some of the aluminum can erode, uh, excuse me, can corrode when uh, matted to steel. So it depends on what you're going to add to it. If you're adding some aftermarket stuff to the aluminum body, you got to make sure that the steel up against the aluminum, because it can cause corrosion on the aluminum.
2: Or you just get the preloaded. I mean, there's uh, there's a good chance to talk about the Raptor, which is like my favorite F-150. It's a little bit wider and it's chock full of like aftermarket aftermarket lift kits and parts and it's it's the juicier engine and those are actually pretty freaking sweet and they got the huge Ford logo and it's Ford's across way, the grill the,
1: the Raptor is Ford's way of saying hey let us do all the aftermarket stuff you know before you buy it. And they saw of, the
2: money leave it, you know, and, yeah. and someone else is making money off of it and they want that money. I get it.
1: Yeah. But I, I I've
2: driven one. They're they're really nice and I love how high up they ride and they're 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 sweet they they're just one of the uh one of the like incredible i mean they've got they've got so many trim options for this thing cuz again it's like the it's the american truck the uh King Ranch, former President George Bush drives one. Oh yeah, he's not—he's are... not allowed to drive on the road. The uh, this the Secret Service doesn't let their protectees drive cars. It's 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 just they don't do that. But oh really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, but on, he hasn't driven a. He said because uh, Jay Leno uh, interviewed him on his ranch and he was driving his F one fifty and he said he loves the truck. It's it's his favorite. And of course, it's the fully loaded leather oh, comfort. Yeah, yeah all the good stuff. But he was saying he he loves driving that truck. But he's he hasn't driven on an actual road. He doesn't even have a driver's license. He 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 hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> driven on a real road since nineteen ninety two. Wow. But since he's got like, what has he got, like two thousand acres or some crazy yeah, nonsense yeah, in, in Texas? Him. He um he drives that that F-150 for you know for dealing with his ranch and, and and working on it. But you know, while we're on the subject of Ford, if I can shift gears pun intended, uh do you see this Jalopnik article about The Ford CEO wants to completely change the dealership experience as we know it.
1: Yeah, the the headline is Ford CEO wants to abolish the dealership experience as we know it. Jim uh, Farley basically... He want, now, is he talking about going to just a storefront, basically, where there are no cars, you just buy it? Uh... Not even a storefront. You buy online. He's kind of looking at, like, Tesla's model. So
2: what he's really trying to eliminate is dealerships with a bunch of inventory sitting on the lot. So he, he's kind of eliminating that experience of, well, I think I might want to buy a car. Let me go to this lot in peruse and look around and, and see what I want to see. and. This is kind of like the Carvana model, too, where you go online and you buy a car totally sight unseen. But I think the, and I, you know, I have how I, how I feel about Carvana. I don't think it's a, a, a very good model, but the fact that it's coming from a manufacturer, we could see a different maneuver into the entire market. So I, I think they, they're going to be capable of incurring the losses if someone wants to return it or doesn't like it, or, you know, because like Carvana, their entire model is just being a middleman. But since this is the manufacturer, I think they might be able to pull it off, but they're, they're also, it's going to be non-negotiable prices and none of this sell you the undercoating or, you know, I don't know what they're going to do with an extended warranty, but he's basically talking about turning the dealerships into better service centers and and you'd you'd go there to pick it up, but you wouldn't go shopping. It's like,
1: it's like Amazon. You buy your packet, you buy your product and you can have it delivered to Whole Foods, for example, and you just go to Whole Foods and get it. Right. This is a similar business model. So you're not going to go to the lot. The experience, it sounds like Ford's trying to eliminate the days of the experience where or Hey, let's go car shopping this weekend and you drive around looking at different cars in different lots getting accosted by salesmen. Right. That's going to be over according to what. And then Ford's there's hopes that yeah. what can we what can I do to get you in this car today, you
2: know, and negotiating over the, the, your your monthly, which they say they say the last thing you should ever tell the salesman is here's how much I want my monthly payment to be. Yeah, Cuz they'll they, ask
1: you that. They'll say how
2: much can you spend a month? Yeah. And, and just keep it to yourself. I mean I mean again, this this definitely I'm not the guy to to sit here and and, and tell everyone how to negotiate with salesmen. Everyone's gonna have different opinions. I've only had to do it a handful of times. So I, you know, if anything, I'm I'm on YouTube looking up videos on how to navigate that whole experience. But again, if Ford has their way, we won't have to so much. You know, Tesla, it's kind of the same thing. You go online, you you design the car the way you want it, you order it and you go and you pick it up. And there's no haggling again, no, no, you know, I want my, my monthly payment to be this and, and arguing about the down payment amount and all that stuff. They're just going to do it all on the internet. And then again, they're going to have, they're going to have their dealerships are going to be turned into service centers, which yeah. again, I, I find myself wondering how well they're going to be able to employ technicians because as, as we get more EVs out there, and again, there's so many Fords, it's going to be a long time before they we're got a generation before this is an issue, but there just isn't as much maintenance on electric cars to warrant an entire service station being completely staffed.
1: Jim Farley, who is the CEO of Ford, says, uh, quote, We've got to go to a non-negotiated price. Go to a hundred percent online purchasing, no inventory, remote pickup and delivery. That's that's what that's what this is the CEO of Ford. So if you're sitting at a Ford dealership, maybe working there, you gotta wonder, well, what's the future like for me? Again. These are just. This is just an open discussion. Uh, as far as I know, this is not the the plan yet. Yeah, these are these are goals. If he's that's setting, if that's where not they're a roadmap. thinking. Though things are going to be changing in the next, you know, twelve years, probably, uh, maybe less. You just don't know how long. But I would say this is probably a ten year goal. He hasn't uh, asserted that in the article in the Detroit Free Press.
2: We also might see this is going to reduce dealership markup you know i have heard some some dealerships were selling were selling some of their uh the F150 Lightning at just an outrageous markup well, yeah, because they're
1: so limited you see on the price tag all the the all the extras that you see on there and one of them is the delivery price it's like right. what yeah the delivery the cost that it, that, that it that it was charged to get to us but again in his quote he says we've got to get to a non-negotiated price where you just this is the price take it or leave it it's just like uh, again, I'll bring up Amazon. Uh, you go there and you see the price of something, and that's the price that it is. You yeah, either take it or some sales tax, exactly, and then minus, you just, minus your sales tax, and so you know, I guess eliminate
2: he, some of these hidden fees. That I mean, what a way to ruin the entire experience of buying a car is looking at your bill and seeing there's this fee you didn't hear about to begin with, and yeah. it's an extra two grand out of your pocket.
1: Now, this is for new cars. This has nothing to do with uh, with the used dealership. So, does that mean that that the dealership will have a used car lot I I would wonder I would wonder about or are they that? trying that to eliminate the footprint of a car lot call together. See that's the question. if you're gonna trade in your car, they like trade-ins because you know these uh, these these car lots now this is Ford talking this isn't a car lot open owner this who's a or anything. yeah um, those are not probably going away because that business model is come take a look at the used car, let us sell you on it. But if you're looking for something new, the CEO of Ford says, you know, and we that's want why,
2: it. that's definitely why I think this is going to be better, a, a better situation than Carvana. Cause Carvana is selling used cars this way, and used cars you got to test drive them because you don't know what maniac owned the thing before you got your hands on it. But with it being a new car, I can see that you know you're you're getting what's coming from the factory, and it's going to come with the factory warranty, and you're getting what you see online. You you know you're not you're not going to find out that they blew out third gear on the transmission or something like that.
1: Uh, Fully digital purchase experience uh, may prevent buyers from putting eyes on cars and butts in seats, but they are still willing to shell out money for this, and uh, that's what they're talking about doing at Ford eventually. So, listen, we hope you enjoyed today's Motor Miles. Uh, We want to thank everybody who participated in the show today with your emails. Uh, John, with your call about that turbo uh, and getting that replaced, let us know how that works out. And if you want to reach out to us, you can always do so. I am Ditch on Twitter. I'm I'm Bud Motormouth. All right, I'm Ditch. I'm Bud. And we are the Motormouths.